friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and tethered empty shell of a man, <laughs> Alex Dandino. <laughs> All right, guys, uh... This is a very special film alchemist for us. Uh, we love when we're doing a live movie show. Not live to you, uh, so maybe not the best descriptor, but we go to a movie that has just hit the theaters in a timely fashion. So this weekend, <laughs> us, Jordan Peele's new joint dropped. We went to the theater right away because we were both so excited for this movie. Yeah. Uh, and now we will be dropping this. So the very Monday after it's released... You're joining us to discuss a new movie, not just an old classic that we love. So that makes it fun and exciting and vibrant. Very important. Guys, if you have not seen the movie, do not listen to this episode. Wait, go to the theater, watch the movie. We say this all the time, but this is like very important to not listen to this episode before you watch the movie. Because if you do, you're going to ruin a lot of sure. shit. Most importantly, you're going to ruin like a huge thing that happened in this movie. We yeah. are going to talk about extensively. <laughs> this, I mean, this is in a rare, rare exclusive class of, I don't know you could listen to anything we'll talk about in the show without completely ruining your experience. Yeah. It is that unique of a film yes. that you need to experience it before you watch. Um, And before you experience our delightful conversation about us, if you guys like our show and we hope that you do and you want to give us a little love, please take a second to leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Um, follow, subscribe, like to the show and our uh, different socials. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. You can email us at filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. So that way you can give us ideas for movies you'd like to hear us talk about, things you'd like us to go to the theater with you opening weekend and check out. Not like I'm not going to sit by you because I don't sit by anyone in the theater, but you know, spirit animal-like. Um, anything like that, guys. We're looking to have more and better communication with you guys. Uh, grow the show so the more help you guys can give us uh, we appreciate it greatly and without further ado on to us um, again spoilers you've been warned 800 times so don't get mad really don't listen to this guys I cannot I, I, I can't keep stressing it if when we start this which is like in two seconds no we're not, starting now if you Warning over. Over, you're an idiot <laughs> well I would say that in general um Let's start off with Alex. You had an in theater experience oh, God. that we have to talk about. This is insane. Yeah. Um, you know, I live in, I, I still live in LA. Um, I went to Arclight Sherman Oaks, which is a theater that we used to go to a lot, actually. Um, yep. I generally go there knowing that my theater going experience is fairly regular. Like nobody ever does anything stupid. Like the theater's filled with people who want to be there to see a movie. Like it's, it's different than going to like some of the other theaters where like, for instance, there's a lot of kids that like a van, that Van Nuys theater we used to go to a lot. There's a lot of kids who just hang out there because there's a mall. This particularly is a different kind of theater. It's an arc light, so on and so forth. So probably about towards the end of the first act of the movie, we're sitting there watching the movie and there's a guy who gets up and he just, he gets up from like the, the very top of the theater. I'm sitting in like mm -hmm. the middle of the first middle of the um, second row he walks down and just sort of stands there on the side. And 
you know, I, just because of the world we live in, I'm, I'm, my, my, I'm, you know, I'm a little suspicious and my senses are a little heightened when I'm in darkened theaters. So I see this guy just sort of standing there and making me a little uncomfortable. I'm like, what is this guy fucking doing? Like, is he going to go to the bathroom? Is he just not want to miss something? Which, you know, it makes sense. And I understand. But I'm waiting. And then finally, he all of a sudden starts shouting. And he shouts, respect black cinema, respect Jordan Peele. This movie is fucking great. Respect this movie, guys. And, you know, there's the customary group of people who (laughs) say, shut the fuck up. Sit the fuck down. Get the fuck out of the theater. And then one person who said what we were all thinking was like, what the fuck do you think we're doing in here, man? So, like, he he just totally surpasses the irony phase yeah, of like completely, completely disrespecting the black cinema of George. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, so you've completely put us all on edge and ruined our experience in the middle of this movie, which, like, yeah. you really, it's, this kind of movie to me, like, it's difficult to blink without missing something. And especially the way it's shot, which is very specific, there's a lot that's very important to me. I love it. No, I honestly, I can't believe you fucking stayed in the theater. I the really we live in nowadays. I know if there's a lunatic screaming in the theater, I honestly think I would have just gone out and be like, Hey man, I'm going to the next screening. Like I can't, I really wanted to see that movie and yeah. He, right. Like that's, <laughs> that's how a, bad, like, that's a testament to Jordan. Peele. That's how like, badly I wanted if to I'm see Jordan. Die, I want to die right here in this scene. <laughs> yeah. Like he let, and then he walked out. So I was like, is he going to okay, come back? That's scarier to me. Right. Now you don't know where the fuck this guy is. And like if you've ever been to an arc light in LA, like you know that the um people who work at the arc light generally hang around outside the theaters. They hang around like this was early enough in the movie too where the person it's not like the first like five minutes where the guy sits on the side to make sure the screen's okay. Um it was far enough in, but generally the guys like stand around and wait for people to come in and um it was early enough in the movie where I knew someone was still going to be there. This guy walked out, but for the rest of the movie, I sort of like, this is the thing. And like, I really wanted to pay attention to this film. And it's really important to me to pay attention to this movie because I really wanted to see it. I've wanted to see it since it got announced and I was sitting there watching. So basically I'm a hundred percent tuned in. This guy starts yelling and that hundred percent attenuation then drops to probably 70 because I have to spend the other 30% of my time making sure this guy doesn't come back in with a fucking Uzi and Moses down. Because that's yeah, honestly right. the first thing I thought is like, is this guy some that's fucking nuts. monster who's going to just like, like, I didn't know what to think. Because A, it was a white guy. So I'm like, your white guilt is showing like that kind of thing. Because I was just like, what an idiot. It's like, a white guy screaming respect black cinema. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mention that. White guy screaming. Wow. Respect, which I was like, that's really weird. Was and he I, like one of those hipsters that looks like a Civil War soldier? I mean, it was dark enough where I couldn't really tell, but he looked like just a dipshit. So, like, I mean, what kind of dumbass <laughs> stands up in the middle of a darkened theater and starts shouting at people? Like, Jesus H. So we were all kind of like, I was a little on edge. And the person, there was a couple of people that I went to see the movie with. Like, when we walked out, one of my buddies was like, I kind of got distracted for the rest of the movie because I couldn't. <laughs> no shit. Like, I, I could not concentrate fully on the film because I was waiting for that guy to come back in. I'm like, what's my exit strategy? Who do I run to? Like, yeah. that Which was my Friends, do I like least, and we'll pull in front of me. (laughs) Well, I was just like, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, what kind of guy would I be if I fucking pulled a friend in front of me and just like let them get mowed down? But I I mean, I I, see now that's a moral quandary, right? I should have left the theater. Are you a shield or a shielded? Right. Like I never know. I should have left the theater. If I was really thinking about it, I should have left the theater. 
and yeah, I was too engaged. I, I got accosted at an arc light as well, so I've been there. Yeah, I had a drunk in Thor uh, Ragnarok who fucking took a swing at me. Uh, I yes. ended up bear hugging him and essentially holding him like a small baby till security came in. I've told that story on the long box. It's horrifying. We never found out what happened. That's a crazy way to start this movie specifically. So this movie starts that way. And like we're probably, I'd say, about 25, 30 minutes into the movie. That's really where this happened. Wow, okay. So like and 25, 30 minutes of the movie from my memory is really when like the plot actually starts happening. It's about when the family of the tethered showed up. Right. And that's kind of like where this whole thing starts. It's like right around the time like Winston Duke is like getting like get that like five seconds where Winston Duke has this amazing like beat where he tries to get laid, which is probably one of my like favorite things ever. Yes. But yeah, I felt I felt that in a very, a very totem spirit way. <laughs> yeah. So that's where it started happening. And, uh, you know, wow. it was it was it was literally like maybe 15 seconds. But. In this day and age, and what's fascinating based on like what happens in this movie, in this day and age and sort of like in this era of where we are, that depleted my ability to really pay attention to the movie properly. And like not yeah. to the point where I was like, oh, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but to the point where like there are things that I'm sure I missed, especially in our pre-conversation before the show. Like there are things that I'm sure I missed simply because I'm not paying full attention to this movie. And I think yeah. this kind of movie demands your attention. I paid 100% laser focused attention and I'm not sure I got it all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I'll say this. It's hard too because it, I had an experience as well where I had two young girls in front of me just constantly texting the whole movie. Ugh. Like, I could see them scrolling their Instagram as they're watching. Right. And you're just like, for fuck's sakes. And then everyone in the theater is kind of out of control. Like, a lot of like comedians in the back, like, don't do that, bitch. You know, like young guys trying to get a laugh. So that it's the problem with the movie going experience in general. But especially as a horror movie fan, it's harder for me because I always want to go to horror movies. And you always know that that'll be the worst audience because I think it skews much more towards the teenage mindset. Right. Like, oh, I'll go in on a date. You know, like your t- your adrenaline, right, right. And, uh, you know, everything's pumping up. Right. Like, uh, teenagers don't want to go see the newest Daniel Day-Lewis joint. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, uh, dude, I showed up to the theater, and they had five school buses parked in front. And I was like, no! I was like, what's happening? Weird. (laughs) So I I walked in, and it was actually like a high school field trip thing to see. I don't know if it's five rounds or there's something out that I believe... As it was explained to me, oh, might be. Oh, I thought you were saying five school buses showed up to watch us. I was like, that is a very progressive. No, well, school. my brother jokingly was like, they're here to see what we're seeing. I was like, we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like even standing in line at concessions, I was furious. But um, yeah, I don't remember what they were seeing. I think it might be like one of those. Uh, it's five feet apart. That's what they were saying. The uh, oh, it's like a it's sus- like a cuter version of Bubble Boy where they have to hold a stick instead of being in plastic bubbles. No, what's about? But they brought cystic fibrosis. To the theater. And it was the first time I've been in the wild with like a hundred unsupervised teens in a long time. Right, it was just mad. Because you forget, like I've been in college bars as an older guy, and you're like, "All right, these these are like savage little monsters," but I at least kind of get where they're at. Right, they're just right. drinking and trying to get laid more than everyone else. Right, yeah. But like teenagers, I was like, "Oh my god, like kill me now." Yeah, it was like a, a small version of hell until I got into the theater. So now that we've wasted a lot of time talking about our pre experiences. <laughs> 
Uh, gut reaction and takeaway, Alex. What did you leave the theater thinking about us? I remember leaving the theater thinking I might get a, I might have gotten shot in there. Uh, no, um, <laughs> the thing I thought about while leaving is like Jordan Peele can pretty much make anything now, and I'll probably show up for it. Like, there's nothing about his like craft that I don't respect, and like that's the thing I think. But then, as far as the story goes, like. I just walked out with like a billion questions like and really trying to replay the movie in my head based on how it ended, because that's the thing that I was most confused by and like replaying all of it basically to make sure that there were no because the way the movie ends, there's a like you have to have cheated at some point. And that's the thing I was trying to figure out like the entire time. Did he Did cheat? you say that he cheated? Yeah, actually, you know what? I marked a couple beats that I. Because it really, horror movie cheating bothers me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I don't like when people take the generic shot at a horror movie like, oh, it's not scary enough, right? That's like a knock you hear on horror movies. It's Horror movies don't have to be in-your-face scary all the fucking time. I would say this one definitely is rife with tear and scary situations and all the stuff you'd want, right? So I've heard people taking swipes like, oh, it's not scary enough. I hate that. It's such a generic bullshit uh, Barb to throw in a horror movie. Well, so what's there to um, be? Like, I think that I'll, I'll say this though, right? The cheating is interesting to me because I I noted a couple times that I feel like our horror movie cheating. Right. Um, I walked out kind of like you. Know, I'm like the the step that he took, right? Because you know my mom went and saw it with me. She loves going to horror movies with me. And her first thing is like, I just like to get out so much better. It makes sense. And I was like, Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like the first one is a very kind of I don't want to say safe, but you know, it's it's a straightforward narrative, right? Yeah. You have one big leap, which is would that operation achieve its desired results? Whatever, right? That's right. that's kind of the big leap. But by that point, you're bought in and it's symbolism anyway. So you just, you know, you take it. Right. Uh, it makes sense. This is a huge step forward as far as the style and difficulty of story he's trying to tell. Yeah. And um, I, I was just impressed with, because that's the thing, I feel like, Overall, the movie has a lot of gaps, and there were some weird tonal shifts that threw me off guard at times. Yeah, but his, his overall command, uh, scene to scene, right? Like he really feels like he gets in and has such a a tight vision for how he wants the tone and style, and it shifts yeah. dramatically from scene to scene in this movie. It, I honestly, I was like, this is a just an impressive sophomore movie i mean i think one of the things to me it's a hard one to even dive into because i i want to not miss stuff but to me the biggest thing that i thought was maybe a negative to me is i think he was using the tethered in kind of a parallel symbolic way that might not have ever come together for me at the end right i mean this is the first i'll say that this is the first movie i've watched and gone home and actually like really tried to read other people's takes and like read interviews. See, I specifically with him. didn't do that because I, I was did, like, I'm so much gonna want to glom on because you wanted to watch it again, right? Before we did, this. I mean, it's that kind of one hundred percent. Like, I feel like you walk out of the theater wanting to immediately see it again because like there's so much to unpack, and I wanted to yeah. read stuff mainly because like I wanted to see if. Not to see if like I had the right idea or if I was like thinking what other people were thinking, but mainly just to see what other people were thinking. Because like yeah. there's four or five different takes I think you could come come away with from this movie with. But I agree, like Jordan Peele 
for being a second movie, like this is a guy who just commands not just your attention, but just like commands every aspect of his filmmaking. Like it's so amazing and impressive to watch a guy like this who started out and who started as a comedian. And it's interesting because like so much of, so much of the beats of comedy and horror kind of like run congruent. I think like the way well, they're both so heavily reliant on timing, right? Timing, pacing, like that's something that Jordan Peele has down. Like he needs no help with that kind of thing. I think it's, Mm the symbolism and the like overall the thing that i think is hard to grasp is the symbolism and the overall like deep metaphors that he's going for because i think you could come away with a few different takes you but, know but the complicated I, thing is just him trying to convey what the clear message is and maybe that's the point of the movie is like maybe we're not maybe we're all supposed to have a different take i that's what see my theory is I feel like somewhere halfway through the movie, he lost faith a little bit in what he was doing. And so there's a scene where uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character goes down into the rabbit door, right? Right. And this is this is where the crux of my kind of confusion hits. And I've really tried to play this out. I spent a lot of time this morning writing down all the information I could garner from my mind. And it's I can't make it work, right? Which is... The rabbit room, um, to me, was an obvious kind of Alice in Wonderland moment. Right. That room does not exist physically under that carnival. Right? She goes down that room. There's one escalator. There's only an escalator down. There's not an escalator up. Right. She goes down into this room. This, to me, is a metaphysical place. Right? This exists outside of the same reality as that boardwalk. Right. And when she goes down, Lupita Nyong'o's shadow begins to lay out what the tethered were, right? Right. And she says they were created by humans, right? And that that's actually something I immediately, as soon as she called them the tethered, I was like, Jordan Peele is already a master of horror iconography. Yeah. Like, the tethered is not nearly as good as the sunken place, but it's an immediate, oh, the tethered. Yeah. The sunken place. Like, something easy to latch onto that becomes a big icon, like, That'll be a meme people use on Twitter, right? Like, oh, he's a tethered now, you know? Like, he's really good at that. But as she begins to lay out their connections and what they are, right? And I felt like that's where it got disjointed for me. Because something that seemingly is metaphysical clearly has very physical interactions with our world. Right. Right? We see the daughter's tethered kill a human being that's not her, right? Because all the tethered essentially kill their own copy. Except for we see her kill the old man in the boxers. He's like, get the fuck off my car, (laughs) right? So we know they can kill others. There's also this weird, okay, so that means they physically did get red suits and scissors, gold scissors and all this shit. They gathered all this. How are they communicating with the tethered that are obviously all over the place? They didn't all come from this one room. Right. Right? Like, we can just see it's not big enough. Like, when they do the boardwalk, that whole place is filled. But, I mean, I guess you could say that's like a House of Leaves thing where that room could be as big as it needs. Um, there, But the, the interaction with the real world and the Hands Across America symbolism, which didn't make any sense to me. I was like, I know that was just a thing from the 80s. But, I mean, it just all felt like that's where it got muddled, right? This kind of 
metaphysical representation of the tethered as inner demon or you know personal trauma that we each carry right and then the them is like zombies that that's where it felt disjointed to me i mean i think that's the thing that i don't know like because when they say humans created it, right, that plays metaphysical. We each create our own tethered, right? But well, then it's you, like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? When you say so, okay, so Lapita Nuwanga's shadow to me was that's that's the alternate route her life took when she might have gotten molested in that vision quest room. Because that's the thing when right. when I watched that first scene on the boardwalk, I assumed that that was some kind of molestation uh imagery right like i didn't think she just walked into that room and saw a mirrored image girl of herself and that's why she had like some kind of emotional baggage when she walked past that guy that had the jeremiah eleven eleven sign right that to me was playing as a oh there's an outside danger that's going to take her innocence and also this is another thing he does constantly every shot feels like it has something that's very out of place it becomes like a visual magnet for your eyes, right? So in that scene, it's the red apple, right? She's carrying this red apple and not eating it. So to me, it was kind of a, a little red riding hood flag. Right. Walking through this dark forest, a wolf is coming, that kind of thing. So I was reading that as a, you know, a possible some stranger got her, whatever. And then the, the split, the mirror is, that is what happens when we have a, an inner a trauma like that, it creates this alternate split in us, right? That's right. how I was reading it at the start. Later, when we see the white couple, their tethered play as uh, their innermost sin, right? right? Being an asshole, being extra vain. And then there's the third kind of tether, which is the children's tethers, which strangely play as nothing connected to them, right? The little boys is a burned pyro. Well, that's not what the little boy is. And the little girls is... Someone who's happy and likes to run because she wanted to quit the track team and is moody. Like, so each of the tethers don't seem to follow the same rules either, which I thought was an interesting kind I mean, of puzzle. I see, like, the, I mean, for the kids, like, to me, like, um, I don't remember the kids' names, but uh, for me, uh, Zora, sorry, Zora and Jason, I think, but like, to me, the two kids' tethers are um, the extension of, Really, like, cause, like, to me, like, so Pluto, who is Jason's tethered, is he's got like half his face. He's disfigured because he was pyro. Right. Uh-huh. To me, earlier in the movie, you hear them talking like Jason, like Jason's overactive. He like he's curious about everything, and he's a kid. He wanders off. He does what he wants. Like that's the kind of thing. So when I saw that, I'm like, oh, this must be like the version of him that is essentially way too curious and way too sure of his own curiosity to the point where it has damaged him in some way. Like, but that that doesn't of, play with the character as we see him, though, right? Well, no, of course it does. He's curious about everything. He does whatever. He wanders off. Like that's like part of right. It. But he's also spends the movie hiding behind a mask. He's very afraid of engaging with the outside world. He's afraid of engaging with others in the outside world. He's not afraid right. of engaging with the outside world at large. He's willing well, to that. that he's that's willing what to I mean, walk. Right? He's and willing to think of the girl. He's willing to play by himself. In the, he's willing to play by himself in the in the sand he's willing to walk to the bathroom by himself he's willing to do a lot of things by himself he's just not willing to talk to other people right but that doesn't make him like cocksure in the world right that's just well no that but, he but neither like is, my brother asked me like is he supposed to be on the spectrum 
And I was like, yeah, maybe. I thought that too. I mean, he very well could be. He could just have, you know, ADHD. He's one of these kids. He's maybe a kid who's just like a statistic, so to speak. But ultimately, like, oh, I that's didn't. That's sad to say. That's sad to say. It is. That is how people talk about kids. That makes me sad. Well, it should. The, like, the, the one like the theory I had about this, right? Because I felt like the kids disconnect. Like, they don't have a tie with their tethers. Right. The way the adults do. I thought maybe that is because there is this they're still innocent enough that they haven't developed their sin yet. I right? mean, yes. Cause here, like, did you, did you look up the Jeremiah eleven eleven? I did. I don't remember what the quote was. All right, here it Can is. Read it? Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. So that's, that's why I played again into this. It's us creating our own, it's our sins coming back to haunt us, essentially, right? Right. And I thought that played double because the first tethered we see, well, besides that opening vision quest room, is the Jeremiah eleven eleven guy, right? Right. And it's interesting the way they play that because she's rolling into Santa Cruz. Also, apparently, this is where all the tethered are and all the vampires in the Lost Boy. This is a terrible city to live in. Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, and she she sees him being put into the ambulance, right? right? He's been killed. And then she also, that's the guy on the beach whose hand is dripping blood right. that her son sees. So to me, that was a, her trauma is omnipresent to her. And as much as she tries to kill it, she can't escape it. Right. But, well, we'll get to that later. Um, but what, well, I mean, when they say the hum, humans created this place, right? Right. When I hear that, that does not sound like a day of the dead military facility. No, right? that sounds like a metaphysical creation to me. Uh, I don't know. I've I actually was under the assumption that what like when she was explaining it, she was like the one thing they didn't figure out is how to clone the clone the human soul. So that's something that I think was important was because to me the whole time I was assuming this was like metaphysics like this. I agree. Like there was a lot of this where I was like, oh, we manifest these things about ourselves like. Yes, I'm an anxious person. I'm a hypochondriac. So like my tethered would probably be, you know, someone in a fucking <laughs> someone in a fucking surgeon's mask who or like someone You guys who, would be like uh what's her name in the movie Bug? <laughs> yeah, no, it's not no, but like that's That's what I told my mom. I was like, "Oh, my tethered would be easy to defeat. It'd just be me and him sitting on my huge couch together arguing over what we're going to watch." <laughs> right, but that's like but that's what it is. Like I assumed that up until the and this is the brilliance of the marketing of this movie, by the way, because the movie get, the marketing what the for this fuck? movie no gives joke. away absolutely nothing of this movie. It's amazing. The, the trailer that you saw, that movie's over about forty minutes in. Yeah, that's the most amazing. And then all of a it's sudden, the most it amazing marketing turn. move I've ever seen. <laughs> like he literally refuses to show you anything past, like plot wise, past the first forty minutes of this movie. Well, you see the rabbit room in the trailer, but you have no idea well, what the fuck. You see that the room rabbit is. room. You see yeah. the escalator down. There's plenty of stuff, but out of context, it makes no sense. Once, even in context, I'm not sure well, I figured it out. That's <laughs> absolutely something we need to talk about. But like the marketing for this movie doesn't show you anything else. So as soon as you get to Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker's house, yes. and their tethered show up, that was the part of the movie where I was like, "Holy shit!" There is a bunch of this movie that none of us knew anything about. And that was where I was like, okay, what's actually happening? Because this isn't just a family dealing with their trauma. 
Like, yes. Like, yes. I was like, something no, that, else that is going on. That to me on. is where it starts to shift, right? Yes. Because to me, we, we think we understand what this movie is. Right. Which is, again, it's this supernatural uh, manifestation of grief and trauma and sinfulness that we have to defeat. I'm like, okay, I get this movie. Uh, even when, like, uh, Winston Duke's character drags himself down to his boat. Right. Right. That's his newest vanity purchase to try to keep up with uh, Joshua's character. Right. Whatever. I'm like, OK, I get this movie when they go to uh, the house of the white couple. That whole fucking thing shifts because now we know that they have tethers, too. But what's different and this is where it makes the shift. And again, this is where I don't know that it adds up to me all the way because everyone else in the movie, when they're tethered, is in their presence goes for the immediate kill. Right. The family's tethers are playing some kind of game. Well, right. Right. But I also think, which I feel like, I mean, we'll get to the twist ending in a bit, but to me, it's, it's such a big diff. Like, why are they playing a game? Because at first you're like, well, they want to kill them and take their places. Presumably. Right. That's presumably. And then the whole movie shifts in that moment of, Then it becomes, I don't know, body snatchers almost, where it's like this invading force. I don't even know if it's that. It's very zombie movie, I guess. That's probably the best. It's it's a zombie movie. Body snatchers and then a zombie movie. I don't know. Like, it takes on a different form entirely once you start seeing the other tethered. I'm like, okay. So now we need to address that, which is one of those things like, I was not expecting that. Like what I was expecting no. was based on the based on the trailer, what I was expecting was sort of this haunted house thing. Like it would be a You know what movie I was imagining was Funny Games. Do you remember that yeah. movie? No, me too. That's, That's exactly the movie I what I thought I was, I was watching. Some kind of weird like meta funny game. It's so weird. And then you it bring just that... completely fucking becomes an apocalypse. It's so movie. weird you bring that up cuz literally when uh, <laughs> on work yesterday at work yesterday someone was like, "Oh, you saw the movie?" I'm like, "Yeah." And they're like, was it like funny games? That's kind of what I'm expecting. And I'm like, <laughs> you just need to see the movie. And they're like, yeah, but like, what do you think? I'm like, I, I can't tell you anything. Like, you really need to no, go watch it. No, you can't have a conversation about this movie with anyone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. Like, and I've, I've talked any to you. one little bit will only ask more questions yeah. that will unravel the experience. And I've told I'll say everybody. this. How often do you actually go into a movie and you're fully shocked? I'm telling you, the last time I felt this way watching a movie was Sorry to Bother You, where every scene I was like, what the fuck is happening and how did we get here? But I love that we're here. <laughs> I don't think I've been genuinely shocked like this in a theater ever. Maybe the sixth sense, but you can figure that out pretty quickly. But like, see, I was young enough. I, I wonder if I would have seen that coming nowadays, but I was young enough when that movie came out. It hit me like a fucking mess. This movie has two like major moments like that. And honestly though, like the whole time, when the when Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker's tethered show up, that was when my fucking mouth dropped. I was like, what the yeah. fuck is going on in this movie? Well, again, just to see them run in like fucking scissor assassins. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> like, oh, my God. And when they killed their teenage daughters. Oh, my God. like, wow, this just it, it just it increases the brutality immediately. Yeah. And now and immediate. And then you're also. It's a cool thing for the audience member because you have to like look back in the theater like, 
oh my god, we all have one of these things. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, you're I like, mean, oh my god, we all have a Slipknot version of that's ourselves the thing. that's coming they, to kill so us. So this is a main. This is another reason I wanted because look, there's plenty of inter- interpretations of this movie, and this is another reason I really wanted to read other people's takes and like slash film had a really great article about this actually. And I refused to share it until probably Tuesday slash film had a very good article that came out on Friday, which was like us explained or like at least however, um, I think it's Ben Pearson and Jacob Holler contributors there, how they interpret the movie in general and their interpretation, which I thought was actually very astute was that this is like one of the, this is probably in the vein of like body snatchers. This is very much, like a hyper politically focused horror film, which is interesting. And I'm not sure I buy that premise all the way, but as far that as we the, all have an inner MAGA hat in our soul, is that what it was supposed to, as far as the tethered go, what it is is like the idea is that these are like the tethered essentially are the forgotten Americans, like people that we're not paying attention to. Like when we're watching the 24 hour news cycle and, you know, watching like, Everyone in D.C. and everyone in New York and everyone in L.A., what we're completely forgetting about is flyover country and these people who actually make decisions that affect our daily lives. Like, nobody gives a shit about what happens in the coasts. But like, uh, I'm going to call bullshit on that. Well, that's someone let, else. Let me push back for a second. No, I, I like when people do think pieces. My, my I do too. immediate pushback to that would be is because I get where they're going, right? Because they do the thing of the tethered are working as a giant hive mind. Right. And they're doing the actual hands across America showing that they can work together. Right. And then because of the twist ending, we learned that the tethered can actually be perfectly good, normal people. Right. Which is crazy. But the tethered also come out and immediately just start murdering everyone. Right. Right. But, so it's. <laughs> but it, I feel like we try to do that nowadays to everything is overly. And I, I know Jordan Peele himself has said these are all kind of political horror thrillers. Sure. But that's. But, and that's fine. That's one person's uh, interpretation. Like, I don't really subscribe to that. I think it's an interesting beat, and it's an interesting way to put that. But I don't think that's how that works. That's way too – I also think – Well, I would say also it's not truly forgotten Americans. No. Except for the sense of I think everyone in this country forgets that we ourselves are Americans and that we have to do work right. to maintain the American ideal and strive for – because I, I heard someone say this, right? That the most important word in uh, that sentence is the more, right? We'll never have a perfect union, but it's the more perfect. That's what we're pursuing all the time. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, it definitely has this inner monster quality well, to it. I think, like, as far as that interpretation goes, I think what happens is someone grafts onto Red when she, the first time we meet the first four tethered, um, the family's tethered, Red says, like, we're American. When she gets asked, like, who are you, people? She goes, we're Americans. And that's like, I think. Oh, I forgot about that. I think if you take that and extrapolate that, you can get this sort of thing to work. As far as, like, what your interpretation would be regarding that, personally, I think that's a little too simplistic. And I think it also devalues a huge portion of the science fiction element of this movie. Because I'll be honest, when I walked into the theater, I was fully expecting a movie that lived in this like supernatural horror genre. Um, and I, it's interesting cause like I forgot how science fiction really get out is how deeply steeped in science fiction it is. And as soon as all this shit started happening with that, when I started seeing the other tethered in the th- in the movie, I remembered I'm like, wait a second. 
why would I think this was just going to be some supernatural, like, um, you know, why would I think there's gonna be some sort of supernatural horror film where we face our own traumas and it turns into this like haunted house chase thing? Like, why would I think that Jordan Peele is about to do the twilight zone? He's steeped in science fiction. There's no reason mm-hmm. to not think this way. So like the more I considered it in the theater, the more and the deeper we got into the third act, I was like, I have to start like rethinking and rewiring what I thought this movie was going to be. And so that's like the trick I think of the movie too, is as the viewer, you have to lower like your expectations are out the window the minute Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidecker's like assassin tethered show up and murder the hell out of them. So like right. that I think is immediately is like your shift so quickly in the theater because your jaw drops and you immediately have to figure out what your next expectation is. That's like the most difficult thing about the movie and the most complicated thing mm-hmm. is relearning what the movie's about like in the middle of the movie. Right. Well, I I think that's the thing that my brain w- kept catching on, right? Is cuz there's obvious again, I I come back to there always feels like there's something in almost all these scenes. There's one magnet to my eyeball like why is that chosen? Right. Whether it's the red apple or the golden scissors or whatever it is, right? There's always something in almost every scene. The little magic trick. Yeah. I'm like why this thing? And it feels it's almost like a paranormal activity effect where I'm so searching every inch of the frame for the symbolism. Yeah. That I feel like I feel like when you put yourself in that movie like maybe that's the problem cuz I don't think all the symbols Well, it's definitely not a unified theme of symbolism to me. No. I mean like this is Jordan Peele doing an amazing like it's it's an amazing this is Jordan Peele doing an amazing Stanley Kubrick impression of a Hitchcock movie. Cause like that's really kind of like especially the like his shot choice, shot selection, uh, framing, and just general follow with the camera reminded me a lot of like a lot of Hitchcock movies I've watched. Yeah, like no, I mean to me it honestly just felt like this feels like the big one. Like I'm going all in. Yeah, and it to me honestly, and again I don't I'm not trying to critique the movie unfairly. I think he got lost. I think he went so big on this concept. Sure. And I think it's two separate movies, and I'm not sure the symbolisms play together, right? I think when one begins, it almost destroys the other. Well, so the thing I think is the thing that happens. So basically, you find out these pe- that these tethered are actually clones. Like they're these like sort of shells of themselves. We don't know what they are. We just know they say they're created by humans and that they are connected to. Well, they're just abandoned. A specific human because they they both share the same soul, right? Well, they do, and they like they can't recreate that soul. So it's like they're like a fraction. But that's why they're sharing. They're bonded to the soul right. of the human they. So look like. you essentially you're getting through the movie, and like this happens all in the third act, and basically Adelaide and Red are having it out. Um, Red essentially kind of like devolves the whole thing. They have this big fight because we need to talk about like really like we're holding back because we need to talk about this once this is out in the open, which is, you know, Red and Adelaide have their fight. Um, Adelaide takes down Red. She comes back up to the surface. They're driving away and everything seems to be peaceful. And in this weird flashback, though, it's revealed that in the vision quest when she was a she was a kid in the vision quest room, when she turns around and sees her doppelganger, she like gets choked out and then is uh, 
taken dragged down the escalator, dragged down yes. the escalator, and then left there by Red, and Red takes her place in the real world. Mm-hmm. So there's like so a, in the end, she's the shadow, right? So in the end, Lupita the Nyong'o we've been following is actually the shadow who escaped, right? And you realize this whole thing that Red's been planning the entire time is actually like it seems like some sort of revenge. Which would make yeah, sense. I have to say, it, which would make sense I, if it was just the this, four of them. I told you this. I think this is one of the worst twist endings I've ever seen in a movie. Because <laughs> first off, I pegged this immediately. The very moment in the vision quest when she didn't see her doppelganger turn around and we cut to the present, I already knew what was happening. And then to make it worse, and this is one of those. This feels like, because it's, it's hard to say, because he's such a confident director, and he's so amazing at so many things. I feel like this is reverse engineered because he felt like maybe we wouldn't buy it somehow, so he's putting breadcrumbs in. It was just too much. Because when they go to the therapist, and it's, I just want my daughter back, and she hasn't spoken since, I already knew. I knew exactly what was happening for the rest of that movie. Right. I, again, I didn't like, know exactly how they would reveal it, but I knew she was going to be the shadow. And and this is, again, I didn't, this gets back to that, that final scene of her finally unlocking her trauma. And what, ha- I mean, I guess it's not her trauma, right? It's the girl she well, inflicted the trauma it's on. It's a different trauma. But that that to me correlates to the the split person of when, when we have a trauma, we diverge, right? There are two paths our lives can go, and this became the trauma version. Right. Um. But this this is the part I'm... Because this feels like horror movie cheating to me. This really felt like cheating. When we go down the escalator and she's trying to fight her other self, uh, Red has super strength. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's fighting like she's Mystique in X-Men. Right. Why is that? She doesn't have the augmented strength because she's not actually the Shadow. I mean, she didn't have... Um, why did she all of a sudden develop the Marlon Brando voice? I don't know. It was amazing, and I loved it. Um, but I'm not sure why. That that felt like a cheat to me. And also, I think it, I think it kind of disrupts a little bit of the horror of the 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 tethers, right? Because we've seen her come out, and you could argue she's probably the most well-adjusted and adult character in the movie until that point. So are we supposed to say, well, maybe the tether should kill us all because they're better versions of ourselves? I don't know. It, it To me, it was such an obvious, silly twist ending, and I think it kind of gunks up the works a little bit for me. I think, again, I didn't notice early on. Granted, someone shouted respect black cinema in the sure, middle of my screening. Sure. so That's I, hard. There's a very good chance <laughs> I was distracted for another 30% for a lot of the movie, but... I did not put that together at the very top just because I probably wasn't looking for it. And again, like this is the amazing thing about the movie is because I wasn't looking for it. I, and b- based on the marketing and based on everything I've seen, because I wasn't looking for it, it shifted me so far away from that as like being something I needed to suspect. Mm-hmm. Like, because now obviously if you really think about it and watch it again, yes, it's telegraphed pretty nicely. Like it's not mm-hmm. like overt, like, Hey, check this shit out right here. I'm going to come back to this. Don't worry about it. It's very well done. And this movie is really well. made. Well, let me ask, did you actually like the going back and forth in time for her? What do you mean? The, did you like that in the middle of this story, we kept going back to her as a child? 
reliving uh, her kind of child life. I mean, I think you know from our other pods. I don't like. I never like that kind of thing. It's not really yeah. something. It's not a. It's not a storytelling. I technique. like the boardwalk opening, but then I don't think yeah. I ever needed to go back to it. It's not a storytelling technique that I think I ever need. Like the therapy thing. This is interesting. I think the therapy thing actually is what would like throw you because that to me is something that I don't think I ever needed. Um, yeah, I don't think it's, well, you don't need it. And to me, that's so fucking directly gives it away. Right. I think it's, I'm imagining a lot of people who saw it were hip to it at that moment. I don't think, I think there's a, of all the things in the movie, that's the only, that's the only thing that would obviously give it away. I think if you took that part out, you would not really know until the end. But I also well, I, I, I think I watch enough horror movies, right, that I, I always usually abide by the rule of if you don't see the moment of kill or scare, it's because it is right. narratively important later what actually happened that we couldn't see. Right. Well, and that's what I so, thought to myself. I'm like, what is actually going to get revealed next? Because this okay, is- so let me ask you that question. Revealing at the end that our Lapita is actually the shadow who escaped. What does that even add, right? Because to me, it gunks up a lot of things along the way. Well, but I, in an ideal world, what is that supposed to say and add to the story? I honestly, for, I honestly, I honestly, can't for think of anything. forty-eight hours, have been trying to figure it out because it's not that yeah. I think it's like totally shit, and there's no reason for that to be in the movie. Like that's never what I would get at. What I'm trying to figure out is what it means. No, no, to he's me. a guy who made a choice. What do you think his decision making was? I really don't know. Like, <laughs> I I've, I honestly have been wrestling with it. I talked to someone I went to the movie with. I've talked to him for like two days straight about it. I'm like, why did I need to know that? Like, why is that an important aspect of the story that is it because our tra- is the idea maybe that like we can overcome our trauma and become a better person? Like, that's the thing. But, I was then tra- but, but if you do that right, then the counter to that is they're saying the little girl who was victimized <laughs> Uh, is the evil villain of the movie, which is a strange way to true. Well, that's exactly what I, exactly like. There's I don't know. Like I I honestly don't know. And I have that's probably the only way I could interpret it at that point. Like especially after watching it, was I was just like, are they? Is he saying that we can overcome our trauma and become a better version of ourselves, or is he saying that our souls, or that we're supposed to be predatory and destroy the naive, innocent parts of us? I don't know. Or are know. we, you know, are we trying to better ourselves by becoming, by like, there's, I don't know, like, and in the way her son looks at her too, right? Why does he? It's know? Obvi- he obviously had something he wanted to express to me, the audience member. Right. It just does not work for me. Besides the fact I knew it was coming, so it felt it felt like in such a a unique horror movie experience, like, oh, we're just devolving into the gotta have a twist ending thing. Right. And the way the son looked at her and was scared and then slid his mask back on, I was like, okay, so is it we all have a mask and we have an inner beast? But then uh, the Marlon Brando voice, Lapita, is actually an an innocent little girl who is a kidnap victim. Right. Who we've been told is this evil murderer the whole movie. So this this is what I'm saying, though. It feels like a movie of huge, big ideas and symbolisms. And I think when you start losing a little control, right, it starts to kind of wobble on the edges. The tires are a little loose. Sure. I think it can muddy some things, right? Right. So I think it's that mix of the struggle with our inner demons 
and the actual real world physical ramifications of there being this many tethered? Because that's another question. Why is she the only one who has a tethered that can escape and comes out into the real world and then leads the tethered rebellion? Right. I, I don't There's think... not really any description of why that would be. Well, like here's... other than that, she's a real human well, down the thing there. I was like, I couldn't stop thinking about like that the dance. Like when they started showing yes. the dancing that they were doing, I felt like that was much like basically when she when uh, Red's describing the end and like the story essentially of like the explanation, they start showing um, Adelaide above ground doing her ballet and then basically like a modern dance version of that in no Red. Yeah, so the shadow is now actually well, doing the you know dancing. I mean. Like, right. So, yeah, like, basically Red is doing uh, mm. this modern dance version. And so the more they did it and the more I was, I was trying to figure out, like, what exactly am I supposed to interpret from this and why it, like, I felt like the dance was important because then, because at that point Red's like, oh, well, then they realized I was different. And I'm like, but Why? Why though? Like, why is it? Well, because they. Why, why is this contorted version of something okay. beautiful going on up top supposed right. to be the indication? And that's true because they're all tethered to someone, so they could right. technically all dance. Right. Like one of them could be a guy who's at Studio Fifty Four, fucking shaking it loose. You know what I mean? Exactly. But like, that's the thing. Is like, why is it her version of this dance that shakes everyone loose and goes, "Oh man, I think she's probably like." Not to use to use the only terminology I can think of, like why is she like the savior of us all? Why is this happening? Like, yeah, what I would say is that perhaps through her, they recognize that she's different physically, right? But they can feel the pain of the dance because it's one of them dancing. Oh. So they recognize that that's their compatriot dancing, right? That's another one of them who's been through the struggle dancing, but in this form that is different right to me i took that scene as a the even though you're damaged and broken um and you're you're that always is so bonded to you no matter what you're doing so even though you're excelling and doing this beautiful dance in front of an audience that's enjoying it the trauma is still bonded to that moment as uh dramatically as any happiness you might attain while dancing right and they even say that in the therapy have her do art that helps her express what happened to her right yeah so that dance would be an expression of what the doppelganger went through down in the basement world right so yeah i mean again this is the thing is i think it it just jumps from surrealism to real world consequences and it's a little hard it's jarring right um but yeah i don't i don't know like it's the just, kid looks at her like a villain at the end what do you think happened to the kid when he was down there with the brando lupita yeah i did she tell him the whole story and he believed her i don't know like well i don't he looks at his mom like she's a villain See, and I and his mom that gives was, him that real fucking sly smile. Well, she does that, but then even beforehand. Oh, and she shakes her head. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. But see, even before that, I thought I thought what I thought was that he did not because basically when she's down there, um, when she's down there, I thought that he was traumatized by the fact that she killed Red. 
So that's what but, I thought. See, that was I think from. that look is that he knows because in the moment that feral moment where she kills Red is so fucking good, and she lets out that scream. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- she lets out that scream and then she laughs, which I'm like, that's weird. Is she about to just go? Yeah, like, but, are we just ending with this girl? Because we're shown insane? that the tethered are villainous. And in this moment, she's reverting back to the villainous tethered who kills the tethered that we thought was the villain. So to me, that's kind of your Lord of the Flies moment, like how close we all are to going feral and sinking into this worst, most predatory side of ourselves. But technically, that version of Lupita has already made that decision. True. And I don't think the kid, because the kid, they were all joking about body count earlier in the movie. Right. So I don't think that's what the son is upset about. Right. I think in that moment, her mask slips because the way he pulls his mask down is a, oh, I've seen you now. Right. I guess it's the second time. She kind of does the shake, like, just don't even go there. But it's the second time that happens in a movie, in the movie, though, where she he sees her kill someone. Right. So I was trying, like. When that happened and when his reaction happened like that, I was like, is that supposed to mean something? Like, are we supposed to, like, keep our children? Like, I I don't I honestly could not tell you. Like, well, this is another weird thing they do constantly in the movie is she is constantly returning to the scene of a crime by herself. Like, why is she going down into the basement world by herself? Why does she return back into Elizabeth Moss's house by herself to get the keys? They keep sending her by herself to face down these monsters. Well, I mean, which seems strange, right? There is a section of this movie where it begins to feel like almost a comedic parody of a horror film that we think we're watching. Because I would say the part once they get to the white couple's house, it begins to feel like that's a comedy parody movie to me with the fucking Ophelia jokes with the music. Um, the flare gun on the boat, you know, the guy always hobbling with his bat. Yeah. It, and that, there's some real horror in there. So I'm not taking that as a shot, No, but the way they then sit down and just watch TV, you know, and the way they're having conversations, like they, in the middle of this crisis, the 15 year old girl, they have this weird conversation about who drives the car. It kind of hits this weird comedy beat where I was like, okay, so maybe, Maybe this is what the movie wants to be okay. Because it feels like Winston Duke's character never buys into the stakes of the movie in a way the other characters do. Right. Because Lupita from Jump Street feels like, oh, shit, I know something's up. Right. Which she does because she's the bad guy the whole time. But is she bad? Who knows? Well, that's the thing. Like, because to me, this ends up really being just a revenge story, like, by the end. Like, this is Red getting revenge on Lupita for, you know throwing her like this is the real world but is it this is the real world this is, if it's gonna be her revenge why all the other tethers well, and how many are there is there like, enough to well, do hands across again, America? I, I don't know like i can't answer that question because this is just way too dense to unpack like that like to me i personally can't answer that question but to me like what this ends up being about on a like micro level between like lapita nyongo's characters is essentially like so that means Red, who came to the real world, prospered. She found a way to re- to better herself. And not only that, yeah. like it didn't really surprise me that she would go down there. Because I thought about that, too. I'm like, why would she go down alone? Like She knows where this place is. I don't understand why this is a big deal. And I'm like, well, 
she's going for her child because she still had but that child. But she'd never been down there that we had seen. Sure she, sure she had. She we never up. saw the rabbit room and the boiler room until the very end. She grew up down there. Well, no, no, no. That version did. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yes, because it's not a normal mom. It's the bad guy. In right. Yes. So that's the okay, thing. Okay, sorry. That, I, that was a communication error on my fault. That's the thing end. that I thought was, well, I guess if it's your child, of course, you'd go down there to defend your child. You want your child back. Mm-hmm. So that made sense to me. Like, all that stuff there makes sense to me. It's as soon as she, as soon as it's revealed that she's essentially switched places and this is essentially a revenge thing and then technically good like real world version of adelaide like real world adelaide assembled the entirety of the tethered to join hands across america and kill a bunch of people because of a t-shirt right and why the golden scissors my brother's like oh that's a peter pan thing it is i was like okay i latched on to this because she kept calling herself the shadow right and there there is a way to read that ending where she goes back down there, and then besides the superpower, which felt like a little cheating to me, um, she's trying to kill. I don't think it's superpower. The Brando, she kicks her through like eighteen desks, and she weighs ninety pounds. She's just that's a physical impossibility for a woman of that size. She's filled with rage. You cannot kick another ninety pound wafer thin woman into desk, and she just flips desk. She's a dancer. Makes sense. She's a dancer. What does that mean? I mean, she's got dancers I mean, she are like Russian very strong, very strong legs. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, that's the most unbelievable thing I've heard about this movie. I don't think Lupita Nyong'o could pick my leg up with her two legs. That's neither here nor there. She does have superpowers, it seems. But the way I like <laughs> to read this a little bit, right? There, there's a way to look at it where. So this is the traumatized little girl left down here. She's stewing on it, stewing on it, looking at the hands across America, right? This was the good old days before her dad put her in that pedophile shirt. Um, She's like stuck in this past, right? Right. And even when she's evading uh, white shirt Lupita with the dance moves, there's a way to look at it as this is a mom who was forged through trauma but cannot escape the traumatized little girl stuck inside of her. Who then kills it, right? She takes her own Peter Pan style shadow and just murders it, right? right? And she will now move forward unencumbered by the little girl who was traumatized on that night and who has to hide behind the interpretive dances to express herself. Now she has fully come into herself. The problem with that is that she's the one who victimized the Lupita she killed. But I like that read of it. I don't know, man. (laughs) It's it's such a strange movie. (laughs) Like up until her descending into the tethered's world, it's it it kind of makes sense. And then just like I think the just pure insanity of it all. Because, like, that final shot of the once, movie is... Once like, the tethered apocalypse hits, it, it feels like it's out of control well, to me. I mean, even that last shot of the movie, like, this huge wide shot where, like, mm-hmm. you know, news cameras are looking at, like, the tethered with the hands across America. The whole time, I'm just like, 
what's the end game here? Like, that's the thing that I was trying to figure out on the way out of the theater is I was like, what, the, what happens after the credits roll? Like, do they just stay there with their hands held together? Because well, that's what I said. Are the ones who are holding hands, are they, have they already killed their others? So now they're cool to hold hands or. Right. Cause I was like, all right, just let them hold hands. That's fine. But <laughs> right. right. Like, if you still exist, wouldn't your tethered be coming to kill you still? Uh, why the hands across America? I'm sure the slash films guy love that for part of their forgotten America thing. Of course. I mean, like, um, I, I get that interpretation. Yeah. And yeah, this is like, there is definitely a political undertone to it. Like, it makes, well, she says like, not only did I want to come back for you, but I wanted it to be this big attention, right? Sure. Like I, I wanted to do something splashy and that's why she focused on the hands across America. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I mean, like, to me, this is there's a there's a political undertone of like the underappreciated, the underrepresented, the under the underdogs in general. But, but when you start that narrative with those like that, the silent masses, right? The silent forgotten masses uh, story loses a lot of its tone when they run around dressed like slipknot drummers, killing people with scissors. Right. Right, you're like now. I don't feel like is bad for. There is the there's a there's a version of it where you're like, know, yeah, man. I'm really sad like, for like the forgotten Americans. Oh wait, they're murderers. Well, I, this I, is the problem. And again, I don't say it's this not all. they're just murderers. I, like they're no, I can't even put it that way. Like I want to say it's like this sort of they're murderers and identity thieves. I want to say it's their like. Def, and, well, uh, I guess it's, it's their identity too. Like I want to say it's like a defending your. Uh, it's not that. I don't even know, honestly, man. This is, like again, I I'm not going to. I love this movie. Let me be on right, record. Yeah, but I think this is the problem when you go so high concept, and and I applaud him for going so up and above what he could have done. Right. Right. I applaud him for trying this movie, and I think so much of it works so well. But I think perhaps he got a little lost in the forest to me. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like when you go this high and this big, which is amazing for your second I mean, this movie. is a hard one to land once you bring in that third act. Right. I mean, like, this is the thing, like, get out such a great example of, like, contained storytelling. Like, you're not telling mm -hmm. a gigantic story. You're telling something very specific. And it happens one location the entire time. That's a really important aspect of that movie. This, once it gets outside the four of them, because again, like that's what I thought we were doing. And then once you realize this is a, not just like Santa Cruz, this is nationwide storytelling. That Possibly story becomes yes. so big and so looming that you invite the kind of critique that we're talking about, which is, huh? Well, let me unpack that for a second and let me really like devolve that into what that overall means to a lot of this because that's i think the problem yes. right now is like we're sitting here talking about what this movie should i guess it's not necessarily should be that's not the way i'd put it but like we're talking about what this movie is trying He's making to making choices that's fine right that's the what filmmakers is, should is, be doing but is he making yeah. the choice to further the advance the plot or just to like <gasps> surprise i us? would rather talk like this about almost every movie i see than Oh, wasn't that cool when Michael Myers punched that dude's teeth out again? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, this is, like, the most like, important... This is, this is a movie that is trying so much more than right. the average film. And, I, you know, that increases difficulty. It does. Because to me, it, like, again, I keep coming back to the tethers. I still don't know what they represent. I Right? 
for Lupita, it's her inner trauma and demon. For the kids, they represent essentially nothing but evil clones, right? Winston Duke's dad, like maybe also a little bit of inner sin with the vanity of the boat, whatever. Uh, the white people is definitely their their innermost issue, right? So I love Elizabeth Moss's turn as the tethered when it's her vanity. She even has that thing where she cuts her cheek where she had mentioned she might have gotten some work done. Uh, yes. Uh, the Tim Heidecker uh, tethered is like a huge asshole who's trying to be like a funny tethered. Right. As he's a murdering stalker. So, again, it's like, is it our inner sins? Is it our trauma and regrets? Is it just evil versions of ourselves like the kids? Like, in just the tethereds that we know personally, there's no uniformity to what they represent to me. Does that ruin the movie for me? No. I mean, no. The fact that but I'm. It's, it's not it's not something where it's not everyone is just going to accept that these things don't easily go together. I think right. some of them might not like I it's I think it's again because he's so good at what he's done so far. I think some people will hesitate to say that perhaps his metaphors got a little mixed and muddled. I think the fact that we are sitting here and having this conversation like this, like talking about it in this way, particularly is the whole point of the movie at large. And this is what the same thing that happened with get out. You always want to talk about movies and what they mean and what their actual metaphors are. The difference is that this one is a little bit bigger and a little bit more complex and we have to talk about it and we have to like reconceptualize it. Like, Get Out had very obvious, simple metaphors. Like, we knew what that meant. We knew what this meant. We understood what a lot of the movie was trying to say to us. Us is much more steeped in metatextual concepts and metahuman, <laughs> not metahuman, but meta metaphysical properties of the movie right. are much more difficult to understand. So, what we're doing is having this conversation and trying to discern it for ourselves. This isn't the last one either. Like, I, well, you're like, is this a MAGA movie, right? Right. Do the MAGA bros actually like this? Because the Tethered are actually a leftist socialist mob, the new Red Army. Right. Well, you know what's weird is... Because <laughs> they actually, all think like a hive mind. It's communism. You know what's funny is... Like, this is, I mean, this is a testament just to the movie in general. Is like I was getting ready today, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, do we need to do two shows about this movie? Like, I feel like... I have not stopped thinking about it. I was having, like fever dreams trying to interpret this movie last I, I honestly i was like i was taking a shower this morning i'm like we might have to do one show after seeing it initially and do another one after we see it a second time like this th that's what i was saying i love doing that the new when it's fresh getting in on the conversation right. but this definitely feels like if we did a show 10 years from now it'd be totally honestly different. we might once this movie comes i'm gonna tell you this right now once this movie comes out on like vod and dvd and digital on demand like I think we need to do another show about this. I will never watch this movie again. No, I'm just kidding. We need to do another show. <laughs> I actually can't wait this. to watch it again. I can't either. Like, um, it's just great. Let's talk about some of the awesome scenes. Because, again, I I don't I don't fully love the, the way the movie kind of everything comes together at the end. Yeah. But this movie is so fucking outstanding. It's so many other things. I think it's a disservice to just sit here and try to Oh, we're going to intellectually take the apart what a tether might mean. <laughs> I think that's really fun to do. It is. If you're being honest, right? Don't do it as a, this guy fucking sucks because the tethers don't all have the same mode of operation, right? right? I think it's, if you're honestly talking about it, it's like, mm, that's a weird choice. Why did he do this and that? Cool. Right? Like, the thing I don't like is everyone online, like we've said before, is 
it sounds like if you don't say immediately this is an all-time masterpiece that you're like shitting on it, which right. is not the case, right? No. I've already heard people like this is an all-time horror classic, and I was like, oh man, like what? Right. Like you would already to me when people say that, it's like you're already putting that in like the top twenty horror movies ever. Right. Like, I come on, it's not even close. It's a really exquisitely beautiful, fun movie, but best of the best of the best. Like, come on, guys, I, let's let's pump the brakes and yeah. let's make sure we understand it before we do that. I but there are some scenes that are so so good. I just don't think you can. There's not you can't have too much Lupita Nyong'o in this movie. Like, no, it did strike. It was striking to me that. The only actress worthy of acting with her was herself. I know, right? And it's, and it's totally <laughs> she true. She does the first speech as the uh, the shadow. Oh my god! In the darkness, I eat the rabbits. Oh my! And god. the princess eats what I. She had toys. My toys ripped me apart. I, I don't think I breathe. Was able to breathe. No. For that entire delivery, for fear that my fat Gandolfini breathing would cause me to miss. Any bit of the emoting and delivery. It is that moment there. She's just amazing, man. I mean, that is all timer shit. She, and not only her giving this outstanding, the voice, the weird moments for laughter, the hand movements, right? The eyes, the piercing eyes. To then cut away to herself, taking it in and the fucking single tear. I love single tear acting. You know that. I do. Uh Oh, my God. That is an all-timer scene to me it's yeah i mean like she's just look and winston duke and the kids are great too but she is just i mean obviously she's the lead in the movie but like she is head and shoulders no let's just get this on record every single actor in this movie is outstanding yeah, no everyone's wonderful Out, like, there's not I a single shit performance Hedeker or whatever his name is from tim and eric oh he's amazing. he was fantastic oh he's so good man like anytime elizabeth moss is amazing anytime they let him like just be anytime he's not doing like tim and eric stuff when he's just being like himself or just like a version of a normal person he's absolutely incredible i love him in everything he does and especially when he gets to do stuff like this which is just like a smaller part in general it's wonderful. He, everybody is so good, but God damn, dude, Lupita Nyong'o might have, uh, yeah, like it's an all-timer performance. She's like, going to be this year's Tony Collette, mark my words. Absolutely. She's going She's to. She's the one, this was the first year I boycotted watching the Oscars, and it's because they snubbed Tony Collette and Hereditary. This will happen this year, oh, I feel they like. They better not. Because I watch that, and I'm like, you have to respect this. Like, you have you to have honor to watch this, this performance. Say, Holy shit. For fuck's sakes, it's so good. Yeah, I, I loved Winston Duke. Is he aloof dad? Because to me, he's the star of the opening of the movie where they're doing really amazing world building. Yeah. Where you so perfectly feel like this is a real family that you're sitting in with. And he is the driver of that, right? This fucking goofy aloof dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? When they go to the beach and him and uh, Joshua's interactions, so good, right? Oh, you forgot the flare gun. I knew you'd fucking forget it's so fucking good, right? And then Elizabeth Moss and Lapita's kind of, our uh, husbands like each other, but we don't have much in common. The teenagers being a little standoff. It's just, it felt so yeah. real. I and think that, the, that is so great, man. Yeah. I, I, this movie does so many things exceptionally well. I feel bad starting the show talking about, let's talk about all the crazy stuff that may or may not be above our heads. This is a, but, but, the, like, but that's a really important oh thing about God. the movie is that it's not 
bashing it. Like that's not that's like that's I don't not think what so it is. Either. What it is is no, we have I to sit here and talk about. You have to discuss it. your true feelings about how movies make you feel and think. Absolutely. And this movie. And what above this movie mostly made me think was how lucky I am that these kind of horror movies are coming out regularly I, now. I've told everyone. I've told everybody that I've told because Andrea, Andrea, I didn't see it with my wife, and she really wants to see the movie, and that's a pretty rare thing for her because she didn't see these kinds of movies, and. She's like, how was it? And I'm like, it's very unfair that someone like Jordan Peele is this talented. But we are and we are so fucking lucky it's unfair because he's so good at it. Like, yeah, his. Well, I, I like that he's helping bring back event horror. Yeah. Like for the I longest go time, the there just was not event horror movies. Right. Like even if they'd win a weekend or whatever. I feel like we've had three big horror events in the last couple of years. It was a horror event. Right. Right. The It remake, Get Out was a horror event. This was a horror event, I feel like. Right. Um, I love that these are now things for me. I mark on the calendar the way I mark like comic book movies. Yeah. I mean, it's just so... I'm actually way more excited for these, but like, yeah. it's nice that he's so good now that he'll get... My wife wants to see it. Your wife wants to see it. That's awesome, man. I think that it's... And also, like, even... I mean, Get Out was so well done. And even here, he's even improving on directing. Like, and again, I'm not a director, so I couldn't tell you. But I can tell you that, like, for my for my estimation, the directing in Get Out and the directing in this movie is a totally different like skill set. Like, oh, completely, completely different. And it, but it's amazing. Like, I see, I think Get Out plays like Hitchcock, and this one plays like David Lynch. Oh, I think this one plays like uh like The Shining. Like, there's a lot of Kubrick in this for me. Yeah, the thing that is the perhaps. most Hitchcockian in this movie is the long shot, the whip arounds. That happens a lot in the movies because basically what he loves to do in this movie is whip around the room and then land on a spot. Like it, like it happens in the kitchen in the white couple's house. Um, the one thing that scared the absolute shit out of me, besides like just in general, like Lupita Nyong'o is just an amazing actress. But then Elizabeth Moss putting makeup. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Yes. No, but that's what I was like. Wow. The fact that she was able to have such dynamite in that scene. Yeah. After we had just seen Lapita do that monologue with herself. Yeah. I was like, man, she is. Do not sleep on Elizabeth Moss's fucking skills. I know no one does. She's clearly one of the best actresses we have. Right. But it's amazing. Not only the makeup scene where she cuts herself where. So now we know where she had her work done. Right, Right. Right. But then she goes to the window and sees her husband being killed. And she feigns crying oh, and that breaks was into crazy. that tackle. Holy shit. That was that actually is probably my favorite moment of the whole movie. Oh, so well, cool. uh, I don't know. Those two moments were my favorite. They're really good. It was so good. Oh man. How about when the kids walk in the room and the other twin is doing a handstand walk? Yeah. Up to them. I was like, ah Oh man, I love that. I was shit. like, I don't think people should be walking like that. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I mean, just the whole the whole of it was Ooh. so fascinating. I'll give you a scene that fucking blew my mind. Thinking back on it today, I love the use of the opening as a microcosm for the whole story. Okay. Did you think about that at all today? I thought about- how in a way that Lupita and Winston Duke are kind of inverted mirror versions of her mom and dad. Yeah, I thought about it a lot, actually. Because I thought about that. That's a really long opening of just them walking, her very walking like the Little Red Riding Hood. 
I think the Michael Jackson pedophile shirt also reinforces my possibly a, an offender got to her. There um, is this very strange, but you know the way they spend so much time walking behind that mom and dad and listening to their slowly rising vitriol. Yeah. Is that like the amount of information we get about that relationship in that opening scene? I mean, that that really is impressive writing. Yeah. I love that. And then the... to use that later to see that Winston Duke is the exact opposite of her dad. Right. Right. And she's she seems like she's kind of like her mom, but there's a difference to it, right? Like her mom actually leaves her with the father constantly. Lapita's constantly running and pulling the children to her. Yeah. Do you right? So I was like that that mirroring of those two, because that's another thing. That opening felt very strange, right? Because I'm like, we're doing a lot on this mom and dad that seemingly then just kind of disappears. Do you think there's But I something... think it's a really interesting and then the long rabbit shot. Yeah. That baffled me. I still haven't figured out what I think the rabbits are in this. Do you think there's something to that? Well, I've always assumed that the rabbits... Are the were, rabbits just that we experiment on rabbits? Yeah, I think the rabbits were just experimented on cloned rabbits. The tethers are like experimenting rabbits? Yeah, well, it's all experimentation down there. Like, well, mm. the tethered are our clones, so are the See, rabbits. that doesn't fit my my inner trauma demon narrative, so I don't know if I like that. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. My bad. Didn't mean to blow the lid yeah. off that thing. That's fake news. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... Yeah, there's a I was trying to figure out the thing that I was trying to understand is based on that. Like that informs only one person. Like this is the thing, too, is you have to remember by that time in the movie, the real world Adelaide is still with her family. So red. Wait, at the end of the movie, doesn't the sun come up with a rabbit? Yes. That matters. See? Because right. to me, the rabbits, I, I just took that as a Wonderland thing once we saw the rabbit door. Right. Right? Follow the white rabbit. Right. But and he comes up with the white rabbit, which may signify that he's buying into this false reality now that he knows the truth about his mom. Right. Well, he slides the mask on and is going to play Fantasy right. Land. Well, hang on. Her. This is something I've been trying to figure out, though. Is so. Okay. We see, like, the opening of the movie, we see, like, the parents fighting. Like, they clearly, like, and yeah, it's masterful writing. Like, you set the tone of the movie by, oh, trauma, got it. The dad's this charming drunk. The mom's sick of his shit. Right, yeah. <laughs> however, really we don't see, however, the version of Adelaide that sees that is the one that winds up with the tethered. The other one never saw that. But she's living an inverted version of that. Remember, we see... Her tether dad down there right. handing her the shirt. But does that mean... So them sharing a soul and essentially sharing a version of reality, she does... She would kind of know. Because this is a moment, too, that came back to me in the therapy session. When the dad walks out for a smoke. Right. And he kind of reaches down to touch her shoulder. So her dad is constantly shown as caving into his vices. Right. But in that moment, he's also trying to be a good guy. Like, perhaps he can't save himself and he's worried, but he still thinks he can be okay and not affect her with his bad decisions, even though he obviously has. Right. Um, yeah, I wondered about that, too, with now knowing that she is the shadow. I just, there's so much. Are we all shadows after a traumatic event like that? Who knows, man? 
it's such a fascinating movie. That's what bothers me is I I think that the supernatural representation of of the trauma of the sexual violence perhaps is such a good story for the groundwork he laid. Right. That the zombie apocalypse thing kind of throws that off a little. Yeah, I mean, again, like, but I do feel like, like you said, this could be something that, like, a year down the road, I've totally worked out in my mind after seeing it five right. times. I mean, and I think this is something we're going to have to revisit just because it's such a dense narrative and it is such a great movie. Like, I fucking loved this movie. Walking out of the theater, yeah. Like, there's nothing. I mean, that's going I feel to like we'll that. never get all the. An- like, I don't think you'll ever have a perfect answer for what the rabbits well, are. Nor would I want what them. happened to her in that cave. Why? This one shadow that can escape. Right. I don't think we'll know any of that. Who created the tethers? Um, There was a crazy thing they added that I wanted to ask you about. Why does the son, the only one who can puppet master his own tether? I don't know. And I was trying to figure that out, too. Like, why do you think it's because... Hmm. I don't know. See, like... I thought maybe... Maybe it's just representing that he's still young and impressionable. Well, I, that's what I was thinking. Like maybe it's because <laughs> but that feels too easy. Maybe it's because he's young enough, where it's that kind of thing. But I don't know. Maybe that's. But see, that's the thing. Like that's what's so. You say that's too easy, but because his kid's like a little assassin, he like cut the gas tank and all that shit. Right, he's lighting matches, whatever. But yeah, the walking him into the flames and him just willingly going that that to me implies that. Because that's the other question. Is he actually puppet mastering him? Or is the little tethered version of himself just mirroring that boy? Is it actually a psychic bond? A physical control? I think it's. Or does he walk into that fire willingly? Oh, I think it's definitely a psychic thing. I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't know where I fall on that. I think it's. I think it's like a. I think it's a metaphysical bond. We've been using that word a lot, and I really don't know how else to describe a lot of stuff in this movie besides saying it's metaphysical. Well, I mean, you could just say, like, supernatural, right? You could, but I don't think this is not something that movie... is easily explained by the physical right. reality well, we're in. Right? I, right. There are bigger things going on. I think there's a lot of this movie, though, that I would consider... There's only certain aspects of this movie I'd consider supernatural. The rest of it, I would place it in pretty succinct sci-fi. Do you agree with me that the basement room is not on the same physical plane of existence as we are normally? Uh, like a 70% agree with you, maybe 60. I think the escalator down's the dead giveaway, let alone that room just being under a carnival and not being filled with homeless people jerking off. That seems unlikely. Uh, I don't know. Like they give that <laughs> they give that uh they do that title card in the beginning that's sort of yeah, I love title cards, but that one felt strange. It places it in the real world, strangely enough. But I think that's the idea is to, again, like everything about this movie is about basically blowing your expectations out of the water. Yeah, see, I, I don't place that room in the same reality as that Santa Cruz and those people to me. And then that room has to exist everywhere, apparently. Like there have to be that room all over the place. Well, Which to me, again, is us humans always creating our own destructions and the own worst versions of ourselves. That could, um, that could be a two. I don't know. But yeah, the puppet mastering his own thing. I actually thought it was boss because I think it was that little boy just mirroring him. I think that little boy looked that the little tethered boy looked at the untarnished version of himself. Right. 
almost aspirationally, like, oh, my God, you have the little finger thing that can make fire. Right. And I'm a pyro, and I had to struggle, and I actually got burned. So I didn't think it was actually, like, a fully psychic puppet mastering, but it actually might have been. I mean, I think that, the again, it's just it's this cracked mirror version. It's interesting. I was actually watching this morning the episode of um, The Twilight Zone that Jordan Peele said he sort of watched and got inspired by, which was this episode from the first season called uh, Mirror Image, uh-huh. which is about a woman in a train station who sort of has a similar experience where she sees a version of herself getting on a train. And it's interesting because in the episode, like right before the big commercial break, she sees the version of herself that's on the bus to go. Mm-hmm. And that version of herself is like smirking at her smiling, which is interesting. Yeah. And I'm like, that's got to be directly from and then you know as we all know jordan peele's about to put out his version of the twilight zone so all well, of I think this that would sort scare of any of us right oh it'd scare the absolute fucking shit out of me i think it's a universal if i saw a version of myself my immediate reaction would be shock and grimacing like what the fuck right. but if that version sees you and smiles that lets you know that they're already in on it right. they already know what's going on while you're befuddled yeah i think that's terrified. the thing and i think that's the thing this movie does so well is you know they're in on it they're like, it's weird. Because the tethers are already bonded to the souls of the people they right. look like. Well, so they I'm already talking, know the well, game. I'm speaking more about just in general, like the movie versus the audience experience itself is like, we are in this situation of like terror because once mm. the rug gets pulled out at like the 40 minute mark with the other tethers, that's when I, that's when you have to completely realign yourself. Like I said, like, it's an amazing movie and it's an amazing marketing strategy to literally not divulge anything about the story because I had no yeah. idea of walking in what it was going to be. And it was a no, very, well, also I appreciate, I, I don't mind a movie that just leaves me with questions. No, me neither. I right? think that's wonderful. And I, I think this is one of the, again, I feel like the more I study this movie, I'll always come to the conclusion that the metaphor gets muddied too much for me. Right. I don't feel like there's something I'm going to figure out and be like, ah, it all clicks perfectly now. I don't really think. And I I don't say that as a knock. I don't think that it has to because there are scenes, right? Like just shots, right? There is a shot of the little boy looking at the Jeremiah 1111 tethered, right? The first one where he pans down on the hand and the fingers are dripping blood with the boy in the background. Like that's unbelievable. The stuff in the vision quest where the girl's in the mirror room and, backs up to her i mean there are moments that are so unbelievably fucking scary and taut and just there's moments of ferocity man like this movie does so many things so well that even if i can never piece it all together satisfactorily that doesn't matter to me because i know i'll always think of this movie i'll always want to go back and spend time with it and i'll always love debating other people about what it means Right? Like, I still have no fucking idea what the end of 2001 means, but I love watching that final 30 minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's like... Just, I, I think it's... I, I applaud that instead of just doing the thing that we all thought we'd already figured out, he took a big fucking swing, man, because he knew he's at the stage where he can get away with that right. still. I love that. And I think he... You know, he might not have hit a home run, but he fucking bounced one off the wall. That's a good, yeah. that's a good fucking movie right I there. I mean, to me, this is the time... We're in an amazing like renaissance of just genre in general. So yeah. 
this is the time to make those to take those chances and to take those big swings at headier concepts to push the art form in another direction rather than us just relying on the things that we're always going to get us by like we're trying other things and god damn dude like i'm i'm so happy that jordan peele gets to make these things because it's a fucking blast oh i'll always be there opening night from now on yeah here's another thing i forgot to mention that struck me I about because I had mentioned why she's always the one sent back in among the tethers by herself. Right. It totally makes sense once you find out she is a tether. Right. Right. But the scene that really drives that home, because that's the thing you're always like, why the fuck is she leaving on her own all the time? Oh, these are her own people. She knows what's up. She's not as scared. Um, When she goes and sees her daughter's tether. They got thrown off the car and was wrapped around that limb. Yeah. And the tether still. <laughs> Ah, ferociously like going at her and we think it's not her daughter right it's a version of her daughter right yeah uh we see the same thing when she's trying to bring the son's tether back from the fire that although she's the tether and these are lupita nawango's kid or or brando lupita's kids no they're not they're still kind of her kids in a way well in a way yeah because no no those kids happen in the darkness down right with her. right right so the real Lupita who's switched out does actually give birth to them and is with there. She's with the Slipknot family. Right. Yes. But Lupita, as we know, her, still feels bonded to those tethered version of her kids. Cause they are the same as her in a way. Right. Even though they came from the other Lupita, but that scene of her trying to calm her dying daughter in the tree um, and as her daughter's ferociously attacking and then slowly sinks into death. Oh, my God. So fucking good, man. Yeah. I mean, there's just... That's what I mean. I feel like this movie is just loaded with gems. And even though I caught the twist really early, like, that just dawned on me today. Like, oh, fuck. That's why she's with all these other tethers. And that's why she's, like... Because I was like, oh, it's just a mom who doesn't want to see the visage of her kid destroyed. Sure. Yeah. But you're like, oh, now there's that extra level, too. And, and that's what I mean is even if the metaphors are muddied or it kind of turns into like, like I think David Lynch gets away with this a lot where I'm like, I think that movie's a lot bullshit, but it's David Lynch. So you're just like, ah, it's cool. Right, right. I'm glad stylistically this exists, but, and that's why these guys get a pass is because they do the, the impactful real moments and drama so well. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'll let you slide that. There's a wall full of rabbits and the one in the, bottom center is brown and i don't know if that means like oh it's all white bunnies and then a brown bunny like i'm overthinking everything in the movie from that moment right, right? right. and you're like i'm just okay to do that i think it's inst- i don't think it's a glitch of the film no. to be confused and have questions i think it's one of the most exceptional it's the best uh, part gifts of the film it's the best yes. part of the movie in general and like is that two days after seeing it i'm still talking about it and i'm going to talk about it for the next for however, as soon as someone brings up the movie Us, I'm going to talk about it because it's a fucking conversation starter. You have to have that conversation. It's fascinating. Yeah, every time someone brings this movie up around you, you're going to be so excited to jump in. Yeah. And everyone's going to have some different thing. That's what's cool, right? Everyone will have their own tethered version of this movie right. based on their own mind, man. It's really fun. I'll say this. If you've gotten through the pod and you've heard this, don't be that asshole who ruins this movie. Do not do it. But do be the person that shares this pod with all your friends, man. <laughs> you could also do that. But don't be that yeah. asshole. All right, guys. That was us. It's a big, messy, 
beautiful, ferocious film, man. And I'm so glad that I was in the theater to see it. I know Alex was, obviously. I'm glad you didn't get shot and killed in your theater. That would have been a bummer. That would have sucked. I mean, there are worse ways to die than taking this movie in, for sure. True. But I'm glad there was no tragedy, man. Me too. Uh, Guys, I hope you all went out and saw us. Go give this movie your dollars in theater. I know going to the theater is getting worse and worse because of teenagers and cell phones. But I think for movies like this, non-remakes, original genre stuff from really talented people, it's very important. You know, someone did the stats. This is the eighth original movie to win the box office. Win a weekend. Win a weekend. In the last two of them are his. Win the last three years. Yeah, two of them are his. Two of them are his. Get out and us now. So, guys, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it, man. I know... Most of us probably left scratching our heads a bit, but again, I don't think that's a glitch. I think that's a great feature. Yeah. Um, so hopefully talking with us helped you, if not agree with us, but make up your own mind on what any of this means. And you can tell us what you mean on all of our socials. You can hit us up at filmalchemistpod at gmail.com uh, so that you can tell us other movies you'd like us to go see live, other movies you'd like us to cover on the show, other themes. You can follow our uh, film alchemist podcast list on letterboxd to know what we're covering or plan on covering soon anything we've decided to cover will be on that list guys great way to stay abreast with what we're doing please rate review subscribe share with your friends guys or else me and dandino might show up in red slipknot suits at your door <laughs> why are the scissors golden i could do this all day i could have a million questions I really th- we're we're having a follow-up show for sure when this comes out on Someday. video on demand, we're doing this again. Maybe that'll be one of our new YouTube things we'll do down the road. Yeah, that'd be good. All right, guys, for the Film Alchemist podcast, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. And I'm also Josh Griffey. <laughs> uh, uh! <laughs> Tethered humor. Love it. <laughs>